The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board of the Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the Had It Been Another Day and the I Might Have Looked the Other Way of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never forgets a time or a place. Josh, how are you doing this fine evening? Uh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm okay. It's just another day, as it turns out to be. So, I'm alive and well. I mean, those are both good things. Alive and well is good, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm going to stick with. <laughs> I was like, do I need to convince you that that's true? I, like, Is that what's going on here? <laughs> uh, no, I'm doing okay. How about, how about you? I am also doing okay. Um, as you know, I had a surprise visit from the in-laws this weekend, so it kind of uh, turned my weekend on end, and, and it was not what I was expecting it to be. But yeah, it is It is what it is, you know? We, we move on, and we make changes and adjustments, and it was nice to see them as always, so that was great. Just not how I had planned to spend my weekend. Um, one thing I found interesting, and I discovered on Thursday, though, Josh, got a couple days off at the end of the week to get some... You know, appointments and other things like that. Done. I went to the dentist and things like that. Did you know that you can watch Lollapalooza on Hulu yeah. this year? <laughs> yes, actually, I did know that. Only by happenstance, I turned on Hulu on Friday night. I want to say, and it was like on there was a header page. Yeah, and, and I I clicked on it, and uh, Rise Against was playing when I. When I opened it up. Well, that's serendipitous. Yeah. So we listened to a little bit of Rise Against, and then I was like, cool. This is not the, my preferred way to watch this. Moving on to Lego Masters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just was pretty surprised that, I I mean, obviously not every state is just one concert at a time. It's not all seven stages, which I think is how many stages are at Lollapalooza this yeah. year. COVID Palooza. What's that? COVID Palooza. Yeah, no kidding, right? It's like a hundred thousand people there. No big deal. Uh, it's not every stage. Um, that's it's just one stage at a time that's being shown. But you know, I was really surprised that you know throwing caution to the wind, if you would have just been like, "Hey, we're just going to put this entire thing on Hulu, just part of your subscription." And you can just watch it if you want to. You don't have to buy a ticket to go to the event. You don't have to pay anything extra. It's not a digital pass to see something. You can just watch Lollapalooza. Like, at some point tonight, Josh, while we're recording, it's going to be the Foo Fighters playing. That's pretty oh. cool. Well, you reminded me. I I just uh, had to pull up um, Limp Bizkit at Lollapalooza because I heard that Fred Durst... Oh, my gosh. Fred Durst looked ridiculous. <laughs> ...is going for something, so... I did have I did have the Limp Bizkit, uh when they were on. It was in the background while we were playing games with my in-laws. 
He does not. He look. uh... (laughs) It looks like somebody like dressed up as Fred Durst dressed up as someone else. Right. Like is somebody trying to dress up as Fred Durst dressing up as someone. Yeah. He looks like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible wearing someone's mask. (laughs) The most common um, joke I've seen about it is it looks like he's trying to be in the Beastie Boys sabotage video, (laughs) which totally does fit. Yeah, 100% with the red aviator glasses <laughs> in the, what I can only hope is a wig. He looks like Colonel Sanders, actually, with the red sunglasses. He does kind of look like Colonel Sanders. That is that is a good point. I, he does sound I, I, pretty good. I mean, he, he was fine, yeah. He as fine as Limp Bizkit ever is in concert, I suppose. Uh, yeah, it's this is my generation. It sounds pretty good. Oh, good. But, wow. Uh, yeah, he he looked absolutely ridiculous. It was, it was some interesting choices, we'll say. You know what? But hey, music, fashion, all that stuff—it's all creative. They all they all are gonna kind of go live their life and do their thing. Yeah. Uh, but it was interesting because last night, uh, Post Malone was like the headliner on the big stage. Yeah. Uh, but then Journey also headlined, so they played. So after on Hulu, after Post Malone, you could stick around and watch the whole Journey show if you wanted to too. Which I thought was a nice little one-two punch there of some music for you to listen to if you wanted to. I'll put it on and I'll just update the listeners as we. Uh, I won't. I won't <laughs> be watching it. I'm just gonna put it on my phone. As of who's who's currently on stage. Yeah, and I'll just share who's on stage if I can tell who it is because I am also coming to the realization of my age and that I don't know all these artists. <laughs> well, luckily, Josh, in the upper left-hand corner of the screen, it tells you who's on. Yeah, but I think actually. Whoever's on now will be finishing because I think it'll be Foo Fighters starting at like eight. Okay. So. Yeah. It's just an interview portion right now. Yeah. So it'll be a bit. I think in about 35 minutes my time, it'll be, well, 35 minutes your time too, but that won't be 8 p.m. for you. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, other question for you, Josh, before we get into the show proper, like look at the, all this pre-show shenanigans we're getting into. Normal. Uh, but this one's actually gaming related. So I, as you know, play... DSA, Disney Sorcerer's Arena, is like the mobile Uh, game, the one mobile game that I play. Now, here's my question for you, and it's related to gaming, but it's not related for gaming. My partner and I, we both play this game together. We recently switched the club we were in just because we had been like within – clubs have 50 people in them, and we were both in the top 10 as far as like our power within the club. So we were – you know, she was like the top three I was, you know, number like seven or something like that in our club. But in the overall scheme of the game, we're not super high powered. So we decided to move on to a new club just because we were kind of running into this point where it's getting harder for us to like level up. Yeah. Just because like the rewards we were getting, like the levels of the like raids and different things we were doing were just lower leveled because we had to make them accessible to everyone else in the group. Uh, Which is fine. Like I'm not saying that that's bad, but we were just like, oh, man, this is making it really hard for our time investment in this game, we don't feel like we're getting great rewards for it anymore. So we went on to this new club. And in this new club, Josh, I am the second to lowest score. I am number 49 of 50 as far as like the power goes. I'm like <laughs> way down there. She's much higher because she's just higher than I am in general. But I'm like, way, I'm like holding on by dear life here. And what I've discovered is our club is very good overall. But there's this one piece of content which has you fight club versus club so it's you versus two other clubs right like these are very common in these types of games and in that game mode 
our club is the small fish in the big pond oh, because no. we are just big enough to be like in the mo- the biggest group, like the highest powered group. But like we are at the very low end of it, and like there are teams that like literally are like a million power more than we are. Yeah, right. So this co- the, this club contest co- club conquest mode is what it's called. In my previous group. We would like win it almost every single week. I was one of our club conquest leaders. Like I would like give be like, oh, attack here, attack here, do this thing, blah 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 blah. And my entire time doing it, and we've been in that club since January. Um, we only lost once, and by losing means we got second place. And there's three, it's top, there's three clubs, so we got second out of three. Uh, but every other week that we did it, we won. Right? We're probably this is my first week in this new club. We're probably gonna get third place. <laughs> like we're we're getting our butts kicked pretty hardcore <laughs> right now. So here's the question, Josh. Is it better to be a small fish in a big pond or is it better to be the big fish in a small pond? Because it used to be in my former club, like when we go into Club Conquest, I could attack other teams' towers just with my teams and completely wipe out entire towers by myself. Yeah. Now, I don't even have one team big enough to fight, like to fight one other team in a tower. Like my, I am just like puny, puny, puny. Yeah. So... Which is better, being that dominant and like being the best of a small group or of a low power group or being the weakest in a high power group? Uh, I, I don't know. It sounds like you moved to get more of a challenge and be able to get better, but it sounds like maybe you took too steep of a dive. Is that what it is? Like maybe you can't compete where you are. Um, I mean, it really depends on what drives you, right? If you, and I mean, not to make it a life thing, but like if you want to be competitive and feel like, like uh, I'll use a New England reference, Tom Brady could have stayed in New England and probably won another ring, but everyone was questioning his age and his his commitment and his ability to develop team members, and he moved to a bigger challenge. He brought some friends with him, but he moved to a bigger challenge, and then he succeeded. And then he said things that we, he can never take back, like, this ring he got with Tampa made meant more to him than any of his other rings. He can't take that back, but he did say it. <laughs> Are you, how do you feel about that? I mean, Josh? I don't know if you could tell how I feel about it. I was like, I feel like the fact that you're bringing this up tells us how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, if, if that's like, that's one way or you can just stay on top, like, and you can just, you can be like, uh, in my game in Marvel Strike Force, like my alliance is just, uh, we have maxed out our alliance level, but we're not consistently winning um, um, a lot of the contests we do the, the, against other not not just against other alliances, but also on these um, um, raids these these things that you do that are against NPC characters. Um, so we're still competitive, but you know we're, we're not leveling up our alliance anymore. So. Um, I kind of feel a little bit the same way, but uh, you you and Eric could put more um, extra stuff into your gaming with that while I try to like stay as engaged as I can, which is by logging in every day and occasionally <laughs> getting like a $1 pack with my Google Play points that I'm actually not, that I'm earning, not actually coming out of my pocket. Yeah. Well, and I think it's just, int- I think the hard, the transition I'm having is that this was a mode that I'm just so used to being so good in. Yeah. And I now bet, yeah. I'm really not. <laughs> because the other things, like the raid mode that is in the game, like we were doing, like in my previous group, we were doing 
ostensibly like what is was level three and in my new one we're doing like the highest level which is basically like level six and in my previous group it would take us oh gosh sometimes 24 hours to do a level three raid and right now we're doing like the heroic raid which is the hardest in like 10 like so you know we're definitely like so all the rewards and all the stuff are better and even for finishing in third place in this other mode um we will still get better rewards than I probably would have in first place had I stayed in that other group. It just is a tough pill to swallow <laughs> of going of being so good. And I'll come in and be like, well, I'm the liability team. Sorry, everyone. I try really hard everywhere else. <laughs> and I do. I get everything else done that I'm required to get done for the group every other day. But, oh, man, my liability in this mode. It is rough. So, anyway. Just thought I wanted to share talk about that with you briefly. Uh, and then finally, Josh, our, our little song intro here. Yes. Um, you know, were you were you familiar with this song? I am very familiar with the song for sure. Um, I don't, I don't have this thing where I get song quotes or even titles very easily. But once oh, I, yeah, yeah. but once I know it, I like I know that I know it or I don't. And this was a very, um, yeah. I mean, I love this song, so it's a it's a big one. I just didn't, I didn't put, in fact, when you started reading that intro, I go, oh, crap, I got to quickly look up what this is. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, duh, <laughs> of course I know what this is. <laughs> uh, so, listener, you know, the title of the episode is I've Just Seen a Face, which is obviously, and the song is referring to a Beatles song. Yes. Uh, Josh, do you have a favorite Beatles song? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's probably, it's probably not going to be original favorite. Like, I, I really like Blackbird. Um, I think maybe Happiness as a Warm Gun is a song I really enjoy by them that maybe most people don't consider a hit. Uh-huh. Uh, and I grew up watching Sgt. Pepper the movie, so pretty much I know that they don't sing most of the songs in the movie. It's mm-hmm. like the Bee Gees, but, um... Um, I have, uh, that's the first vinyl I bought when I got my new record player. I bought, I went to the used store and bought a Sgt. Pepper record because, like, I have such a fun, fun memories of that. But yeah, I mean, Blackbird, Happiness is a Womb God. There's so many. Eleanor Rigby, like, I, w- I can say, I think definitively, any song that I like has been written by Paul McCartney exclusively. So I think I'm more of a Paul McCartney fan. <laughs> okay. Um, I just really like his writing style and I like some, I even like um, some of his new albums, uh, which are def- def- definitely not Beatles comparable, but I like his, his approach to music, but yeah. Um, so many songs I could go on. There- there are so many songs. Uh, speaking of just uh, Paul McCartney, uh, "Live and Let Die," like I'm, that song yeah. is just oh goodness gracious. But I've just seen a face is probably like my favorite. I don't want to say unknown Beatles song, but it's not. I don't you know it's not one of the quote unquote mainstream ones. It's not one of the ones that uh, is getting you're hearing people talk about all of the time. Uh, I really really enjoy that. It's kind of my smaller Beatles song my generally favorite Beatles song though uh I don't think is a super popular one either it it definitely is um more popular I think but while my guitar gently weeps is definitely my favorite Beatles song a great one so and small bit part of piece of trivia uh the guitar part in that song was played by Eric Clapton oh I did not know that yeah so that's like the I think he was the first 
like quote unquote get like they've had other people just because obviously they had songs with like strings and like all these other things that they don't play um but he was like the first person to like real like guest artist um to really be on a on a Beatles song and he and George Harrison were friends so George Harrison was like yo come play on this song and apparently Eric Clapton was like yeah I didn't think you guys did that he's like ah who cares (laughs) they just came and played it so there you go anyway check out the Beatles if you're not a Beatles fan ah, I can understand but you know they they were pretty instrumental as far as music goes so you know and this might who knows this may relate to my recommendation for a well-rounded life at the very end of the show (laughs) but anyway with that let's move on I know exactly what you're gonna recommend Let's move on to some housekeeping, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As always, if you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out all the awesome stuff over on Instagram, also Board with VG. We're a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, just like some of our amazing producers, Michael Masick, Edwin Kahlo, Stephen Keller, Nick Creature, Ben Moxham, Nick Fallhaber, Paul Calicote, Devin Tyus, Josh Borboni, RJ Kern, Zach Adams, Joe Wilson, and of course, Horse Girl 69. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Networks. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So with that, Josh, take us away with your first topic. Okay. Well, I have a game that I uh, reached out to the uh, developer in hopes to uh, review, uh, and that uh, said developer came through with their review code. Uh, so I'm going to talk about a game I played that I was able to talk about officially yesterday for us. Uh, but I also thought this would be the time to talk about games we have been playing. So I think I'll, I was going to flip it, but I think I'll start with the game I reviewed. Um, I plan on doing some type of write up. It'll probably have to be through, Instagram because they don't limit how long you can write and then I'll share it on Twitter. That makes sense. Since we don't really have like a source to do that. But uh, the the game is called Horror Tales The Wine. Uh, I want to read I'll read you the introduction uh, from the developer first and then I'll talk to you about the game a little bit. So the introduction uh, is a pandemic <laughs> which causes strong fevers, terrible delirium, and death has relentlessly decimated the ha- decimated the inhabitants of the archipelago. Rumor has it that a prestigious red wine produced in the capital, excuse me, can cure the sick. You are Marti Vermello. Uh, I'm sure I butchered the name. Uh, in a desperate attempt to cure the infected of your loved ones, you steal a boat and head to the winery where the red wine is made, somewhere in the capital. If you find just one unopened bottle of red wine, it will be enough. On reaching the island, you decide to go to the winery owner's estate to try your luck there. Um, the Banny de Busque family estate is closed and has a dock. It's close. Sorry, it has a dock. The cold smell of death, calm and silence comes over your body when you arrive at the dock. They sealed off the infected families in their own homes without food or water. But even then, the quarantine didn't work. There's no one left alive. So it seems. 
this is a game brought to you by um, Carlos Coronado, and it's just him. Oh, he has well, made okay, he he has made um, a, a relative a pretty um, highly reviewed uh, game called Coral K O R A L. I think it's like eighty four percent positive on Steam, which is pretty darn high. Uh, he also made a game called Infernium, um, but that's it. There is a demo for Infernium on Steam, and I do I can tell you that Horror Tales is as of now going to be a trilogy of games, where we do have Horror Tales: The Beggar and Horror Tales: The Astronaut coming in the future. Uh, they are listed as December first and December twenty ninth of this year, but those might be placeholders. Um, but you can look him up on the Steam store, Carlos Coronado. So he was uh, very generous uh, to send us this code. I do want to say I like his end um, to his email where he says, and I'll, I'll have to edit it a little bit, hope you poop your pants and or enjoy the game. <laughs> and I really thought that was a funny way to end an email. And then he funny. says, big hug, big hug. <laughs> um so yeah, it's localized. It's a game that's localized in English, Catalan, and Spanish, Russian, Japanese, and Chinese. So many languages. Uh, and this is how I will talk about this game. It is. I talked to Kyle about this when I started playing it because I wasn't able to talk to you fine folks about it. It's like Mist or The Witness, right? Uh, a game that is very much uh, puzzle solvy to a degree. Um, I would say the first thing I notice is how beautiful the game is, and I'm trying to keep in mind. I'm. I don't know if Carlos did this all on his own. If he had a small team with him. Um, that is possible regardless if it was just him or even if it was 10 people. The game is very good looking. Uh, it, it accomplishes its goal pretty early. So you, if you don't know that it's a horror game, I mean, it's literally called the horror, horror Tales. Um, but when you start playing the game, you're literally coming up to this beautiful, what it looks like an Italian, like like Venice. It looks like an Italian... Um, I want to say water city. That sounds silly, but it looks like a city on the water uh, in Italy. And obviously the wine probably uh, makes you think that a little bit more. Uh, you immediately start finding all these like broken wine bottles. So you can see that like uh, this is a thing that's going to become a theme. Uh, there's a lot of lore posted up in the game. Like there's a lot of like backstory uh, on walls just put up in like um, – like town alert things like this area is closed. If you're found outside, you'll be shot. Things like that, like very dramatic things. And as you're exploring, as I was exploring, I kind of forgot it was a horror game and kind of just started thinking it was more a adventure game like Mist. And then, and that's this, this is what this game does really well. It catches you off guard and doesn't even necessarily try to scare you the way you would associate like a horror film. Like 
it does a really good thing about when you go through areas and you realize you can't progress and you have to go back. That's when things change a little bit. And I don't want to. I don't want to ruin any um, um, jump scares or anything uh, because I want to make sure people know. Like, uh, this is a fifteen dollar game. It's eleven ninety nine right now on Steam, which is an incredible price. Um, in fact, you know what? I'll probably give away a copy at some point in this episode. Uh, if you Ooh, have Steam. giveaways. Uh, we'll see. Um, if I remember to do it. If not, we'll do it next week. Um, but it's very effective. Uh, you're, you do find out you have this silent, mostly nemesis, and it is a man in a plague doctor mask. And that's really all you know about him right away. And he kind of just shows up where, uh, like... In places you may or may not expect him, and gives you a good, it gave me a good jump. Maybe like you're exploring a house, and all of a sudden a shadow passes a door, or a bang hits a wall, or something. And I really also like this this idea of you're just searching for one wine bottle that's unopened. That's it, and you're on you're on a vineyard. <laughs> like, yeah, it's real. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, and uh, there is a point in this game, and I won't say it's too far in, uh, where it has a jumping off point from normal expectation to a huge degree. I don't even want to say what happens, but it definitely has a huge twist very re- relatively early in the game. Um, so what else... What I'll say about it without trying not to, trying not to spoil it is while it is considered a first-person survival horror, I really would consider this um, like I think Mist is a great comparison because Mist is such a high bar of a game. And I think it does a really good job at making me feel how I felt the first time I played Mist. It was like, oh, this is interesting. I don't know what's going to happen. A lot of sense of exploration. Um, I just think it's a really cool game, and and for fifteen bucks, like I, I think this is a, a no-brainer. If you like adventure games, potentially some horror aspects. I mean, it could get. I don't want to say how far I am, but it could get h- harder and scarier but right now i'm enjoying the jump scares um and the exploration there was really i will say yeah it's definitely hard there is definitely a part where i almost did poop my pants um (laughs) (laughs) so there's definitely a couple points where that happens so yeah if you're not sick of the pandemic and you want to try out the game version of it where at least you're in a different country and uh, people are quarantined in their homes. <laughs> like, uh, this is a very cool game to try out. And uh, yeah, like I said, keep your eyes out. I'll post a actually better uh, written and succinct review for this game in the coming days, so you can check it out. Um, and and again, as a shout out to Carlos Coronado over at Horror Tales uh, for sending us a code. 
Well, that sounds like a game that I am glad <laughs> you got the opportunity to play, Josh, because I am a wuss. I but it does sound interesting, it. and I and uh, like you had mentioned, the idea of really just looking for this one simple thing, right? Like there's just this one thing we're looking for, and that's all that it is. Um, sounds really cool. Uh, yeah. So. As someone who does is a bit of a scaredy cat, it does still, and I play obviously horror games with you once a year. Yes, uh, <laughs> um, it does sound really cool though. It sounds very interesting, so I'm glad you got the opportunity to play Horror yeah. Tales: The Wine. Good puzzles. Uh, yeah, good game, good game. Okay, uh, moving on. I got other games we're playing, so I went ahead and I bit the bullet on Tribes of Midgard uh, for PS5, although it is available all over the place, I believe. Uh, PS4, PS5, PC. PC, there we go. Oh, it's not an Xbox game, huh? It is not currently. Uh-huh. I'm sure it will be in the future, but not currently. Okay, that is also on sale on Steam right now. Um, it is a $20 game. I did splurge for the Deluxe Edition um, to get uh, to get some gear, and I think it comes with a Season 2 pass, because they do this game in seasons, kind of like uh, a um, game of service, which I guess it is. Um, so... Uh, Tribes of Midgard, I played the tutorial, and then I played uh, a little bit of the single player. So you can play solo. when you Once you finish tutorial, you can play solo, or you can play in a team, which is up to 10 people. So I decided to play solo. I'm not really sure if you want to play just two people. You can. I'm not sure how that multiplayer works. I didn't explore those options. From what um, I understand, it scales based on the number of players. Okay, so maybe you can choose. All right, so uh, basically in the tutorial you learn this is a Diablo-style resource management game. So think maybe Diablo meets uh, regular Warcraft, where you are you do have to cut down trees and mine stones to build things like walls uh to protect uh <laughs> and you're you're tasked with uh protecting Yggdrasil the the forever tree that really gives um life to everything around it and you have to give it souls and you can get souls from harvesting resources or um killing enemies or hunting animals um etc every night um Bandits or bad guys try to attack the Yggdrasil tree. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, and you have to defend it. And you do have people in your town that will help you defend it. So you're not strictly on your own if you're playing solo. Um, and then also Yotun or Jotun shows up, show up every once in a while. And those are the big giant uh, elemental creatures. Uh, and you do learn that it is better to have opposite elemental power, which kind of makes sense against these giant creatures you're fighting. Uh, They do kind of help you on the tutorial by gifting you god armor just for the tutorial. (laughs) Right. Um, And then you're back to being naked when you start your regular game. Um, I find it to be quite challenging uh, solo. I, I, I am excited to play it with more people because when you're playing it solo, you're really kind of scrambling to to get resources and then you have to like the further you adventure out from your camp like you know you have to get back there before nightfall and when you're out exploring you can run into bad guys and it's kind of souls like where if you die you are able to get back to your body to recover the 
um, energy or, or souls that you lost. But if you, you know, you know those games, if you don't, if you die in the process, that's gone. Um, so that can also be challenging. And the bosses, uh, the bad guys, um, kind of are, are all over the place from like soldiers to magician, like magician, mages. Uh, so you don't know what you're going to run into. But I really like the art style. Uh, the controls took some getting used to because it's different, um, especially with the camera controls. And um, the combat feels good. I will say that. Um, and I'm enjoying the exploration part. Um, movement speed is pretty good. There, are, there can be some frustrating parts where you're trying to get to the tops of cliffs and there's only one path to get up to them. Um, and if there's archers up there, you can kind of be boned. So you might, it might be best to turn around. <laughs> uh, but you also have to like craft pickaxes to um, harvest ore and minerals. And you have to craft axes to take, cut down trees. And those things break. So there's a lot of resource management to the game. But I don't. I, I do like it so far. So we'll see how much more I get into it. Um, I don't know if we talked about Arcade again on the podcast yet, but I'm playing Arcade Ageddon on PlayStation 5 as well. Uh, I originally was interested because um, Elise Willems from Funhouse uh, mentioned she was writing on it, and that got me interested, and then I saw Kevin Austin uh, of PSVG fame um, and Chef fame uh, playing <laughs> it and recommending it, and uh, Arcade Ageddon is a really fun, unique-ish um third person shooter i guess i would call it but it, it incorporates lots of different styles of guns it has a pretty great like edme soundtrack which really gets you through the levels are very uh, um they're the same to a degree but they're also uh very they're in entertaining and fun to play through it's not like boring when you play through them uh, the bad guys are interesting and varied, and you can you can raise the uh, difficulty if you want while you're going through runs. And essentially, the goal of the game is to save your uncle's grandfather. Your grandfather's arcade by completing quests given to you by other like hyper nerds or hyper arcade junkies who have like these own these clans that you're trying to join slash gather together so you can. Uh, help save the arcade, which arcades have become a thing of the past in this world that you're playing. Is so we're in cool. today's world, is what? what you're saying? Oh, yes, yes, I'm in today's world. <laughs> so you're in today's world, is what you're saying? Yes, uh, I, I predict <laughs> you're gonna get an audacity blip because my audio, my audio manager just popped up saying I plugged a device into my audio jack, <laughs> which I did not do. Uh, I started playing The Last Stop, which is a Game Pass game. It's probably on other things, but I, I grabbed it. It's an Annapurna game. Uh, not knowing at all what this game is about, it is um, pretty interesting so far. It, it's, uh, I guess I would say it starts off with you and um, a female protagonist running through a subway station. You stole a police officer's hat. You're in England. Or London, London, England, somewhere in England, a bobby cap. Is that what they call them? <laughs> uh, and they chase you through a subway station. 
as you're trying to avoid them, there's a couple like um, um, to run. You have to do like um, left button, right button. There's some like uh, what's the word I want to use? Action like God of War action sequences. Button. There's a word. Real time. Like quick time. uh, There's um, some quick time events uh, 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 to get you through that part, and then um, uh, something happens that is interesting that I don't want to spoil. And you start the game present day ish, and you actually get to pick from a choice of three different characters to start their story. And um, it kind of has a telltale feel to it, but it's unique enough that it's not quite telltale. Um, but that was pretty fun. I'm excited to play more of that. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta let, I gotta move. Uh, I started the ascent on Game Pass as well. That is the twin stick shooter, uh, twin stick kinda, not really one stick shooter. You use both sticks. I mean, you use both, but only one is shooting. Oh, it's not a twin stick. Yeah, it is. Yeah, one. Yeah, it's twin stick. Well, right, um, but like one aim, one shoot, right? Uh, okay, vibe yeah, with it right away. Shooter. Actually, I kind of was like, I kind of don't love this, but I I put in uh like a half an hour more, and then I kind of couldn't stop playing. So I was having fun with that. Um, and if you just want to think that's like Contra meets um, other twin stick shooters, but Contra isn't considered a twin stick shooter. So like some of those newer Contras, but better than those <laughs> so far. It looks very pretty. I, I, uh, I like the, the graphics are top notch. Um, there's some loading time, which I didn't expect for the Series X, but you know, I shouldn't be complaining about that. Speaking of loading time, uh, the big one was Microsoft Flight Simulator on the Series <laughs> X. There was a good amount of loading time, which would be the normal amount of loading time uh, for people who don't have a Series X. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, right. and that game looks so good on the Series X. Uh, it, it's Dolby Vision on my TV, so I have a little boost there. But um, I shared a screenshot in our Discord just... I, what I like about it is they have these um, in the main menu you can choose like a destination flight and it will just take you there mid-flight so you can kind of just check it out so I went and did Naples but you could do like the Pyramids of Giza um, or Mount Everest and it will just drop you in on the way toward the, the area and you can kind of mess around and and fly but they put the, like the nice elevator music to just tell you, like, hey, this is a chill. Like, just enjoy it. And that's what I did. Like, I flew around. I went over a football stadium. I went over the water. Um, looked at some boats. Watched some cars driving on the streets. It was, it was just nice and fun. And it's really a great, like, tech showcase, right? Like, I'm not in it for the flight sim. I'm in it to check out how good it looks. Um, but I will play more. <laughs> I do want um, – it did. It does have cross right. – progression so it brought over the stuff i did play on pc when i when i fired it up so um i will go back and do some of those like takeoff and landing trials too uh, i played pokemon unite if you can believe that um it's actually really fun um i'm not a big mobile guy really in fact i would say i'm game. not a mobile guy at all but they did a really good job with the theming and the evolution of pokemon in these in these battles where it's not like for me with MOBAs, I always got stressed out about the 
power management. Like, hey, you just like leveled up now. Do this quickly while you're still on active combat. And like with League of Legends, it's like, how do you spend these points? There's trees and trees and trees of things. So they make it a little bit more simplified. Um, I like that um, it's Pokemon, so my wife likes it. So I know I can play with my wife, which is fun. Um, and I say it's free, it's free. So like, download it, play it. It's uh, it's a good time. And uh, yeah, I'm surprised at how much I liked it from what I played so far. And then lastly, we did play a board game last night. We played two. We played Codenames, and we played a game called Bristol 1350, which is also in a set of games um, that they did um, Deadwood and Salem. They're these um, book style games. I wish I remembered who made it, um, but we played it at my friend's house, um, Joe, who kickstarted it. And this is another pandemic style game uh, where you are. Uh, in a cart, you're in three. There's three carts. We played with six people. Um, and in your cart is you and potentially at least one, maybe two other people. And you're trying to get out of Bristol, but you're trying to get out of Bristol without having the plague. And how this works is everyone gets these uh, sickness cards. And I'm forgetting, they don't. Have, it's not called sickness, but it's the equivalent to that. And they're numbered one through four and like one will be like a cough two will be like sneeze or or something along those lines and if you have at any point six um points on you you get the plague and you then get to choose if you tell people or not so people might be trying to escape bristol with you not knowing that you have the plague and if you escape with someone who has the plague you all die so no one gets out if you're and you can jump carriages if you think maybe the carriage in front of you doesn't have the plague you can try to jump onto their carriage to escape um there's an action literally where you elbow to get to the front of your carriage um there are um things what is the word i want this thing called mingle if you you have to roll dice for movement and if you roll to um, rat icons of the same color. Uh, you have to do a mingle event, which is you take two cards. You only have two cards in your hand at once. You take your two cards, and everyone else who's in the cart with you takes their two cards. They put them in a pile, and then you take one uh, sickness card off the deck and add it, and then shuffle, and then distribute the cards back to everybody. So you could potentially get the plague from mingling um, in this game as well. So it's essentially a race to get out of Bristol without getting the plague. And it was a lot of fun. So uh, the publisher is Facade Games. Um, and the games they have done are Bristol 1350, Deadwood 1876, Salem 1692, and Tortuga 1667. Which I own. I own the Tortuga one. Just I've never played it. So they are a uh, Facade Games is a husband and wife duo uh, and the husband um, is the d- designer of the games. Uh, his name is Travis Hancock. And then the art is done by the wife, Holly Hancock. Nice. So there you go. If you want to dis- uh, support a family business there, uh, check out Facade Games and the other games that they've had. I've heard pretty positive stuff about uh, their games in general, just about how they are um, nice, tight, small experiences, but not 
but still like engaging and fun. Yeah. Um, pretty easy to learn um, or pretty easy to teach, quick to learn. Um, and, and people have tended to really enjoy them. And I think they have like ridiculously large player counts, don't they, in general? Yeah. I mean, for the size of the game, just the fact that we can play with six players is a lot. I think that that game could be even higher. I'm not sure. Yeah. I feel like I'm trying to remember because I think I looked at this game. I think their games play like up to like nine or 12 or something like that for most of their games. It's pretty ridiculous, if I recall. Uh, I have so. my Tortuga close to me. Oh, well, I can't check. <laughs> That's okay. Like I said, I feel that it's true. And if it's not true, it's not the end of the world. But I believe that to be accurate. Yeah. So. But cool. Anything else about any of the other games you've been playing, Josh? Yeah, I talked too long about them, but that's all the games <laughs> I've been playing. Uh, well, I will go through mine pretty briefly here because I don't have too much new. Um, I've also started playing Tribes of Midgard. Uh, thanks, Josh. I just played the tutorial and then went into my first solo game. Uh, it didn't go well. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> it, it was tough. I ended up... you. It's a bit weird because this is a survival game, right? You have these survival aspects and these things you need to do. Uh, but if you die before, like, the tree dies, like, you just respawn, which kind yes. of took me by surprise. Like, I thought the game would just be over. Uh, but I ended up, I got, I died so many times that I just ended up abandoning, basically. <laughs> you get to a point where you can just abandon, like, the seed or, like, uh, that you started in. Because I, I think it was, like, the fourth night or something like that. And I had died multiple times. And I was coming back with basically nothing. Uh, and like one of the Yotun was like almost at my at the tree. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm just like, <laughs> this is just not gonna go well. So I just called it a day and I'll, I'll give it another shot. But I really liked what I played of it. Um, I know uh, we'll talk a little bit about this later as in to why. And, and Josh, this might work out for you too. Uh, my Overwatch group is looking for a new game for us to play. Cool. Um, and this is one of the ones yeah. that is on the consideration list. So. So we will see what happens there. So yeah, so I've been playing Tribes of Midgar, pretty fun. Also jumped into Arcadegeddon. Uh, Arcadegeddon was one of those games when it was announced on the state of play. Uh, I, I think like most people, kind of dismissed it and were like, yeah. whatever, you know. Uh, but <laughs> that game was more fun than it has any right to be. Yeah. I definitely want to play it more than I have. Uh, but it, it is a really, really good time. And, and if, you know, for an early access game, I think most people, myself included, assumed it'd be free. Yeah, um, There is a cost to it. Uh, but it, it, j just know that if you do decide to jump in, it is fun. Like what I have played of it so far is quite enjoyable. Uh, and so, you know, if the look isn't something that you're really feeling, which I can understand, that was kind of actually one of my biggest drawbacks initially was just the art style they decided to go with, which just doesn't work super great for me, uh, but not saying it's bad. Um, it is still a really fun experience and the, the shooting feels pretty tight. Um, so definitely yeah. worth a, a look if that's something that might interest you. Um, then still playing some of the other games that I have been playing for a while. Farm Together is still playing pretty consistently. Scarlet Nexus still kind of tripping my way through. And there is the um, Summer Games event for Overwatch currently um, that's going on. So just kind of playing enough games each week there just to make sure I'm getting my free event skins and all that good stuff. Uh, the other game, though, the game I've actually spent the most time in, uh, Josh, is Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> I don't know why, but I ha I had this overwhelming feeling to go back and try playing this game again. Because I had played it once back in the day. Um, I just never got very far in it and decided, you know, I, I just didn't think I gave it the full gambit of, of what I should have. So I decided to go back to it. I'm not super far into it still. I'm still probably less than 10 hours, but further than I was in it before. And the game is very slow. Like, I know that was like the big people were really critical of that in general because everything you do in that game is slow right like walking is slow looting is slow like everything in the game is slow but 
it does an amazing job of really giving you a sense of place. Uh, and I, I think that's something that is uh, really hard to dismiss is it really creates a time and an experience and you feel you are with this group of people like experiencing this thing with them um there is some grayness if you would about i don't really always know what to do yeah there's a ton of like hey go talk to this person go talk to this person go talk to this person but i don't know one of them is like the golden path, if that makes sense. Like, what is the actual story? Do I have to do all of these things to finish the story? Like, what do these matter and what don't? I don't always really know. But I also want to progress at a rate that's reasonable. So I'm like, well, how often should I be talking to Dutch and doing Dutch's stuff? I don't know. Should I, like, try to do everything else on the map before I talk to Dutch? Like, I just don't know exactly how to work all of that stuff. And, yeah, you know, so far, so good. There are some things that are a bit annoying about it, and I know that these things get remedied initially, but, uh, you know, this whole no fast travel thing to start with, <laughs> oh boy, uh, especially one of the missions I did took me a really long way away from my camp, so then I was just riding my horse for a solid five minutes back, uh, <laughs> just riding my horse, and it was great, uh, so, you know, there are some things there, but overall, still enjoying it. I do want to keep playing it, but there's just so much stuff right now. I'm having a really hard time getting wrapped into something again of having something really just pull me back and like get its claws into me. I'm having fun with just about everything I'm playing, but nothing is the thing that is like jumping out saying you have to play me right now. Um, so maybe that search will continue. Maybe it'll still be Red Dead Redemption 2. We'll see in a few weeks when we talk about what we've been playing again, but that is what I have been up to playing. All right, with that, Josh, we're going to move on to my first topic, which, wow, we are long into this show already. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so it is time to revisit, and this is something that I've had on the show notes for like weeks and we just keep putting off. So we are going to do it this week. Um, it's time to revisit our official board game rankings. That is right. We need to add some games to the board with video games. Definitive ranking of board games. There's a really good chance we may be played. Each time we do this, Josh and I bring two or three games each to add to the list. Uh, our, the list is currently our pinned tweet, so if you want to go ahead and check out that pinned tweet, you can see our ranking of the 24 games we currently have on there. Uh, not to go through all of them, because that would take a bit. The top five from five to one are Tiny Towns, Lords of Waterdeep, Everdell, Pandemic, and probably not surprisingly, Gloomhaven is at number one. And the bottom three, just so you know, 22 to 24, are Machikoro, Sentinels of the Multiverse, and Wasteland Express Delivery Service. So with that, Josh... Do you have a game you'd like to propose to bring to the list? Yeah, I want to uh, bring Mysterium to the list. Ooh, why Mysterium, Josh? Well, I was playing Codenames last night, and it got me, uh, and and I played Detective Club over Vacation, which I didn't talk about. Um, and they have very, I think I did maybe briefly, but um, uh, they have very strong... Uh, vibes like the same type of vibes however i think mysterium does uh does it really well with the blend of um detective plus uh making the most of the resources you have available to you which i really en enjoy and, and the theme is really good and if you go the full distance and you like do like the instruction booklet says and like da either download or stream the soundtrack right. while you play or if you play the digital adaptation which has the music in it already it's really just a great uh like perfectly themed game and and everything it does i think it does it well i think the only downside to 
to it is that this is a game for certain people. And I definitely understand why some people don't enjoy this game. Are you one of the certain people this game is for? Yes, I really enjoy Mysterium um, uh, a lot. I think it's a it's a great game, um, and it's it's fun if like it's tough. Like you you know, if someone hasn't played it before, like I also you feel that like oh no, I hope these people don't like hate this game. So there's a lot of pressure when you're playing with people you haven't played with before. But I think if you have a group of people who enjoy it um, fully, it's great. It's a great time. Do you prefer playing the ghost or do you prefer being one of the mediums? I actually would prefer to be the ghost once and be medium more than once. I, I like that. I would like everyone playing to have an opportunity to be the ghost. Okay. Because I think it does definitely, not only does it, is a different level to the game, but it also gives you a uh, better appreciation for the detectives and vice versa. Um, so you, if you've never played as the ghost, it might be really easy for you to be a little critical of the cards the ghost is giving you. <laughs> Knowing that they might not always have the choice. Yeah, no, for sure. That's an excellent point. Uh, currently, Josh, Mysterium is ranked 269 on Board Game Geek. Wow. Uh, um, obviously, we don't... Does that wow mean it's higher than you thought it would be? Higher than I thought, yeah. Okay, so with that, I was going to say, we don't have 269 slots on our list. Where's your initial proposal of where Mysterium goes in our in our rankings? I think I would propose to put it between Sagrada and Cosmic Run. Oh my gosh, Josh, you were off by like one of where I was going to say, because I was going to say Sagrada and Harry Potter. I'm okay with that too. So that's kind of where I put it, because I, I, Mysterium, like you said, it is a game that is not for everyone, but I think for the people it is for, it is an excellent time. Like there, I don't know that there's many other games that are going to better fit for some people than what Mysterium will. Uh, and as a result of that, I, I, I think it is a it is a really good game for those it's for, and I think it's a better game for most people than other games, if that makes any sense. I.e., if you like it, you're probably going to really, really like it. Yes. Whereas like other games, people are like, oh, that was fun, and they'll think it's fine. Like I think the people who like Mysterium really love Mysterium, um, and as a result, I, I kind of gave it a little bump. But yeah, I think putting it kind of in that number 11 spot right yeah. ahead of Sagrada seems like a good fit for spot from my perspective. Do you agree there? I am okay with that. Awesome. All right. So... Slotting in at the 11th spot, then, is Mysterium. And I'm going to try to type very, very quietly so it doesn't show up on my microphone. But we know that's not going to work because that's the way this this audio recording stuff goes. Okay. So, Josh, my first game that I would like to add, um, you know, it's going to be one of those. I wanted to go a little old school with a couple of my picks and to bring in some other games uh, that we haven't talked about so much, but but are games that I think are worthy of being chatted about. Because a lot of our list is newer-ish stuff. And this isn't super, super old, but it's definitely a game that helped create um, a whole genre of game, Josh. Uh, and that is Dominion. Oh, I had suspected that that's what you were going to be talking about. So, obviously, folks, Dominion, kind of the granddaddy of the deck builder, that first game that really kind of brought deck building into um, what has now been a runaway success as far as as far as far a game goes. 
uh, designed by Donald X. Vaccarino. Way back in 2008, this game was published. Uh, it Overall rank right now on BGG, it has bounced out of the top 100. It is now number 102. <laughs> so it, it has it has kind of you know worked its way out of out of that the the prestige of the top 100 list there are multiple games on our list already that are deck builders all of which theoretically don't exist without dominion i guess <laughs> i said theoretically somebody else may have come up with this <laughs> but josh i'm someone who really enjoys dominion i don't know that it's my favorite deck builder uh, yeah. but it is a deck builder i still really really enjoy so I know, or I believe that our feelings are a little bit different when it comes to Dominion. So tell me your thoughts initially when hearing me suggest Dominion. I mean, I enjoy Dominion. I, I will say I played a lot of it, uh, but it was never, for me, it was never a game. I, I like I was like, let's play Dominion. It was always like someone's like, I brought Dominion. And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> that did happen a lot. A lot of people were like, I brought Dominion. You're like, oh, man. Okay. It's just like that. It's like that in Killer Bunnies and Munchkin. I brought Exa- Killer yes. Bunnies. Oh, okay. Munchkin, Small World, Dominion. That was like in content. Those are the game. That was game nights. We didn't have Killer Bunnies. It was Munchkin for us. But uh, yeah. I still like it. And it, it, you're right. It has done a lot for the deck building genre, but it has always been a game I have no strong opinion on. <laughs> oh, okay. It is like the, I can't even make that joke anymore because it's probably not. It's the, it's Pat of board games to me. Okay. <laughs> it is a neutral game to me. I will play it. I don't love it. Um, but I also don't think I'd ever be in a situation where I would say I will not play Dominion. Here is why I enjoy Dominion. Is that for all of the expansions and everything else Dominion got, for the most part, there are exceptions to this. I'm not saying this is perfect, but for the most part, with the idea of like, hey, you're taking 10 random cards out, and these are the 10 cards you're going to be able to build your deck from. For the most part, that was pretty balanced. Like, it really tended to work okay. Like, and and you could build and have different unique strategies as far as what cor- cl- uh, courses, classes, geez, oh man, what cards you wanted to take, uh, what approach you wanted to take when building your deck. Uh, gave us the idea of thinning your deck and really how important that is. Like a lot of the things that are still key to deck building, I think you still find when playing a game of Dominion. So I think if you enjoy the pure essence of what a deck builder is, even today, I think Dominion still really does stand up. And because of how many expansions there are and really the idea of picking 10 cards and that's what you're going to do and understanding the interactions between all those cards, there's so much variety in what you can play with it. So I still really enjoy Dominion. I have it. I do have a number of expansions for it. But I'll also be honest, I don't remember the last time I played it, Josh. I was just thinking as you're talking that I might want to pull this out and play it again. Just to see how much my opinion has changed or stayed the same. And I don't think Ashley's ever played it. So it would actually wouldn't be a terrible idea to have her play it. For sure. And I think just the idea, too, of like when you start taking like point card, like the gold and like when you start taking those cards uh, and and stuff, I think is is interesting. So. All right, Josh, 
I wonder then where we're both thinking about slot in this <laughs> game, because I think it might be a little bit different. Uh, I don't know. You might be surprised, but I want to hear where you're thinking so, first. I am thinking it should be... I'll we'll see what you have to say about this. The new number eight. Well, yeah, I don't agree with that, but... <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, this will be interesting. I I can't. Can you? You can put it above Ascension. I comfortably. Can, well, I can, but I know that you love Ascension more than I do. I, okay. Well, I was thinking eighteen. Eighteen. Um, but would you meet me at the below Ascension at number ten point? Okay, so here here will be my question for you. Obviously, we just had Mysterium. Yes. Ten would put it ahead of Mysterium. Yeah. Are you are you comfortable with that? Yeah, that's why I think if you put it right below Ascension, I'd be okay with that. Uh, that's me being like, I have no strong like I I just said I have no strong opinion about this <laughs> you're, game. So you're like, so you just want it to always be the middle of the list? Is that what you're saying? No, but uh, but. While I don't have a strong opinion about the game, I do have a strong opinion that it is not better than Ascension. <laughs> okay, that's fine. Do you think it's better than Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle, which is the current number ten? Uh, it probably is. Yeah, if you because okay. you you're taking that theme out, it has way more. Uh, it has so many expansions that uh, that I have never even touched that could make the game ten times better. I wouldn't know. Um, and I think that. That like we always have to, especially making this list, we have to keep in mind that the theme is not a universal like or dislike, so that can be tough. All right, there we go. The new number ten, Dominion. Josh, we'll do. We'll each do one more. What yeah. is your second game you'd like to bring? I feel like my next game is going to be so similar to the conversation we just had. Um, Splendor. Okay. <laughs> is the next game I would like to add to the list. Okay. I also think this is probably the next generation of generic board games to bring to game night. Yeah. After yeah. Dominion. <laughs> it's yeah. like Ticket to Ride, Splendor, um, uh, Lords of Waterdeep, and probably um, still a munchkin <laughs> at the time. <laughs> um, maybe Boss Monster made it into the mix at that point. Uh, I enjoy Splendor. Um, in fact, I revisited it, uh, at least on the app version and, and forgot how much I enjoyed it. But I also have the Cities of Splendor expansion, which is three expansions, and I've never felt the need to try them, even though I got that with the purpose of doing it. Also, knowing there's a Marvel Splendor out now, too, which is like right up my alley, I still haven't bit on that. Um, what I liked about Splendor when it came out was the the theme was not that important, but the set collecting was fun, and that you were limited to um, how much you how many of these rubies or gems that you could take, and if you took too many, you'd have to put some back. And the constant struggle between you and your opponents trying to potentially draft the same cards, but you really don't know that you're going for the same cards until they're taken off the board. Um, so I do enjoy that a lot. But I can also appreciate that I, I feel like this is 
for other people how I felt about Dominion. If not worse. <laughs> okay, so you're saying you like it more and I, others are going to be a little more wet blanket so. about it. Okay. I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I like Splendor. I think Splendor is a fun game. I think it's good. Uh, it's an enjoyable game to play. I have, if somebody, if I go to someone's house or somebody comes over and they're like, hey, let's play Splendor, I have no problems playing it. <laughs> I don't know how often I'd be the person that says, like, hey, let's yeah. play Splendor. <laughs> That's the, my Dominion thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Josh, then where where are you thinking? Because obviously, you know, we both like the game. We recognize the impact that it's had. We we There are some things about it that I really like that I know why people should have it in their collection. And, and like I said, the simplicity of it, the, how streamlined it is, how elegant the design is there. Yeah. Um, so where, where do you think? What about where, where should we put Splendor? For me, a Splendor would be 24 on our list. Wow. No, that is way lower. That's way lower than I thought you were going to say. Okay. Yeah, I don't like it as much as Tokaido or Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I definitely like it more than Suro. <laughs> so you're thinking it should be number 23? That's what I was thinking. Oh, well, that's fine. To twist my arm. I'll totally put it there. <laughs> number The new number 23. 23 is still a good place for this game. We're eventually going to get really high on this list. So like, we'll see how we're, where it ends up. But... <laughs> Yeah, I I do wonder what it's going to take for us to like start putting games like I, down here in the down at the bottom, you know. Yeah, I just have to start bringing up bad games, which I'll do next time we do this. <laughs> All right, Josh. Well, uh, this this uh, I had two games left on my list, and I really thought you were going to put Splendor higher, so I was going to put the bring this other game up just to see how you're going to react to it. But now, <laughs> okay. but I'm going to bring it up anyway because I, I may have sold it because I think this game is the reason I don't play Splendor is because I'd rather play this game. Okay. And that is, and I'm going to pick a, pick a specific edition of it, Century Golem Edition. Oh, boy. you play, Okay. Interesting. <laughs> because for me, I, I recognize, I'm not saying they're the same game, yeah. but from a mechanic, mechanism, air style, Splendor and Century to me are similar. Sure. I can see the comparison a, a little bit. Yeah. And I would prefer to play Century than over Splendor basically any time. Yes. Um, now, we're a little biased. We have um, some pretty strong love on this show um, for, <laughs> you know, all things as far as Century goes. Like, I, yeah. so I think, like I said, I think we have uh, a little bit of bias there. Like, Emerson is obviously awesome um, as the designer goes, and, and he's been on the show before, you know, full disclosure there. But I, I just really like just about everything this game does. I think it is, again, another example of an easy to teach, quick to learn game. But it's also a game that there is some depth and complexity to what you're doing. Is It's like, okay, not just how fast can I get these cards, but what can I do about upgrading my gems to be able to get these cards? And there's different ways you can um, approach it. There's enough ability to have player interaction or kind of trying to suss out what your opponents are trying to do um, for you to have not necessarily direct player interaction per se, but to maybe take some cards that they think they're might you might they might be going for and really to kind of uh, put that spin on it. But yeah, so I really enjoy Century. Um, so what are your thoughts other than I, I know you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love that game so much. So what else can I say about it? Uh, I, you know, I never really put in my mind, I didn't really compare it to Splendor, but now that you say it, I mean, that makes that's a good comparison. Um, 
I just think it does what it does so well that I like Splendor had never even come into my mind, period. Like it's just <laughs> it does what it does so so well and it's easy to learn but hard to win. Uh yeah. you know, and, and that makes it always different and challenging when you play. It's my go to game now to bring anywhere I go or introduce to people. It's like if you're listening to this and I can get to you, I will play this game with you. Like that is a sure thing. Like I love it so much. Um, so yeah, I mean, for, that's, that's a great pick. And I, I kind of was just holding off putting it on the list just cause I didn't want to have to rate it, <laughs> oh, okay. but now I have to. <laughs> now, now you do have to, you do have to, uh, so yeah, so Century Golem Edition, like I said, I'm a, I'm a big fan. I really enjoy the game. Uh, I still can't get over the fact that the rules are basically a page, like one page. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So everything you need to know for a game with a lot of choices. Um, all right, Josh. So what are you thinking then? Where, where do you think? <laughs> Don't you have to go it? first? <laughs> you know, I have always just kind of avoided ever saying anything, and you just usually go like kind of you go. go. <laughs> okay. Um, I right now I'm looking at this list. It's a str- it's a toss up to me between two spots, but they're right next to each other. So mm-hmm. you know, uh, for me, I currently am eyeing at putting it at number three. Okay. What about you? I could decide between three or four because Everdell for me, I really love Everdell as well. Um, and so that's a really tough one for me. Um, but I kind of I'm right in that ballpark area. I have this thing about our list. Okay. And every time I look at it, and it's not, I guess it's not our list. I think I have this thing about lists. I say our list because we're the ones who are deciding what we value, like what we think these games are worth. Yeah. When I look at like Gloomhaven, I, I, for me, yes, it's definitively a number, my number one game. But when we're making a list, I'm trying to be conscious of the fact that people are potentially going to use this. Or at least view it with the idea that maybe this game is for them. And that's where I struggle with, like, I could put this game at number one. Yep. Because I think a larger amount of people would enjoy it more than Gloomhaven. I, Do you I know agree. what I mean? I know. I, I 100% agree. And I think that that's the important thing to keep in mind with our list is we can rate it however we want to, right? Because right. it's our ranking of however, you know, what, however we're feeling about the game. Yeah, but you, you let know, me put Gloomhaven at number one, and you haven't even played it. I know, but that's just because I respect <laughs> how much you love that game. And to right. me, your love and enthusiasm for that game makes it a clear and easy number one. Yes. You know, the reason I, I still have Pandemic at number two, like for me, putting Century at number two, I feel like I really could easily do and have not much issue with it. But the problem I run into is that when I look at Pandemic and I see that name of that game staring me in the face... I think of all the times I've played Pandemic. I think of all the experiences I've had with it. I think about the fact that my now partner and I played this game when we were just like, just friends even. Like we weren't even dating yet. You know, like there's so much more like built up into some of these things than just the quality of the game. And that's why I think it's cool about our rankings is they're ours. They can be whatever we want them to be. Um, And I wouldn't be opposed to Century being number one, like at all. Like I, I, I think that this game is a game that you and I both really, really like. And if there's one game we probably agree on the most, it might be this game. Yeah. Yes, I agree with you. So here's what I think. I was going to say number two, but I am 100% happy putting it at number three. Okay. Especially 
um, uh, where I share your thoughts on pandemic. Like I agree when I when like like I get your sentiment about when you see that game, you have these like whenever I look at my board game shelves and I see the original box of pandemic, I, I always go like, oh man. I I just like this box is so like like old. <laughs> it's like what an old board game box looks like. <laughs> it's like just it is in uh, dire need of an update. But yeah, like every time I look at it, I'm like, man, so many like good memories playing that game. Excellent. I think it also right. helps that you share it as a cooperative game with multiple people versus a competitive game. That's yeah, absolutely, and. Uh... That, that definitely does play into it. But hey, we got a new number three, Century Golem Edition, our number three uh, game on our list. The board with video games, definitive ranking of board games. There's a really good chance we may be played. Uh, so like I said, check out our pinned tweet if you'd like to see all of the rankings. But we've had some shakeups now, Josh, as far as our top five goes. So the top five currently sit as Lords of Waterdeep, Everdell, Century Golem Edition, Pandemic, and Gloomhaven. Josh, before we switch topics here really quick, what do you think the chances are that uh, Frosthaven overtakes Gloomhaven? I mean, based off of all the diaries I've been reading about the game, it sounds like it's just going to be above and beyond everything Gloomhaven has done. And it's 10 pounds heavier. So I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I can only imagine what, what uh, we're getting our hands on if we That's ever right. do. The quality of board games is uh, directly equivalent to how much they weigh. Pound, yeah, pounds per quality. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Josh. Uh, so for our second topic, uh, is going to be a, a joint topic, it looks like here. Yes? Let me do this. Let me. I'm going to move my third topic here and do a quick two-minute thing for my third topic so we can remove essentially remove it for time. Okay. Does that sounds good. All right, so I just wanted to mention this real quickly. Um, uh, news that I was excited about that I quickly uh, shared with my horrified buddy Joe is that horrified is going stateside, as Dice Breaker says. We're getting our first look at the sequel, not expansion to horrified, which will be called uh, Horrified American Monsters. Um, and essentially, this is the cryptid version. So we're getting Mothman, Jersey Devil, Chupacabra, the Banshee of the Badlands, and the Ozark Howler. Um, there's definitely more information to find out, but essentially, what we're getting is the Americanized, like, bad guys version of Horrified. And I couldn't be more excited. Um, they, and it looks like they got oh, they got more detail on the miniatures, more detail on the cardboard characters. Um, hopefully they fix the board, uh, but that's a whole different story for another time. But yeah, still one to five players, a game. Uh, <clears throat> if we had to do a top five games of the year, board games, if we do do that, this will 100% make my list of the original Horrified. So yeah, I'm very excited for this coming out in October at Target first, and it's only thirty five bucks. Very affordable board game. Uh, I know you said you wanted to do this in two minutes, but I have, I have a question for you. Yeah, yeah, about yeah. This. Uh, so obviously, Raven, Ravensburger is taking this over from Prospero Hall, who's yeah. the original designer and publisher. 
So Prospero Hall is not doing any of the design work on this game. Yeah. Uh, or any of the publishing. Uh, for, you know, loving Horrified as much as you did, are you okay with this being by a different designer and publisher? Yeah, I think we're at the point where Ravensburger and Prospero Hall are synonymous. The games look so similar, and they pull, <laughs> but they also put out great quality games. And um, maybe if I looked at th- this image and I didn't see the board looking like it's, they're just taking a formula that worked and adding a new theme. So they're not like trying to rewrite the game. So I'm comfortable with um, the fact that that Ravensburger is taking it on. Awesome. All right. Well, there you go, folks. If you want to get a sequel of sorts to one of the, a, a very beloved cooperative game, check out Horrified American Monsters. I really should talk to Erica to see if she has any desire to play these games. Cause I really want to, but I don't feel like she is interested at all. So we'll have to see. Yeah. Well, just tell her while obviously the theme is strong, um, you could just easily imagine Dracula as somebody else. <laughs> just remove the theme. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Well, Josh, we're going to move on then to our joint second topic, which might be our last topic, depending if we have time. Uh, we may or may not get to my third one. We'll have to see what happens here. But uh, and something that's been happening over the last couple of weeks and something that Josh and I did not talk about last week, but we definitely want to, uh, because it does affect all of us that, as gamers, is we really want to talk about um, the the lawsuit between the state of California uh, and Activision Blizzard and the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has has sued Activision Blizzard for a multitude of infractions, basically just indicating that they, they create a hostile work environment due to their, the culture of their workplace, specifically for women and other underrepresented um, staff members uh, working at, I, I mean, really, I guess the hard part about this is you could say any of their places, right? Because Activision Blizzard is such a big company. Yeah. You know, some of it definitely is related to Activ- Activision. A lot of it seems to be related to Blizzard. I think it seems to be fair. Um, But reading from this, it says the lawsuit detailed claims of a frat boy culture at Activision Blizzard, as well as nothing in the lawsuit, as well as noting in the lawsuit, excuse me, that female employees are subjected to constant sexual harassment and that effective remedial measures have not been taken by the company in response to these complaints. Um, So, yeah, I think if you are in the, the video game, news space at all at all like you can go find uh the details of this lawsuit i i don't know that it's up to us to discuss necessarily um what exactly the state of california is uh is alleging right uh, but i do think it'd be interesting and important for us to talk about number one um our thoughts and our reactions of, of us reading, you know, the information that's out there about this and, and kind of what uh, the state has said happened. And, and I, I'll be honest, I use the term allegations pretty loosely, um, not because I don't necessarily believe that they're true, but because if the state's going to sue you, they're probably pretty certain about what they're suing you about. Uh, you know, states don't sue companies very often unless they're pretty confident um, about what they believe plays take place. So when I say allegations, I, I'm not meaning that I, I doubt that they happened. Um, in fact, it probably seems pretty certain that these sorts of things did happen. Right. Uh, but, you know, talking a little bit about just our thoughts and our reactions to it, and then, you know, what, if anything, 
our responsibilities as gamers are in these situations when when these things come up. So to start with, Josh, I mean, how much of this have you read? How much have you listened to? What are your thoughts just on uh, the lawsuit in general and what seems to be the, a uh, pretty toxic culture at Activision Blizzard? Well, if you ask me how much have I read too much is what I would answer. Unfortunately, and I don't mean that in like I read a lot. I just read enough for it to be too much to read. Um, we've talked about stuff like this happening for a while, unfortunately. Um, I think Riot Games is probably the closest that we've had something come to this degree of harassment, discrimination, all of the above. Um, but that doesn't, and it's not a competition, but they don't, that doesn't hold a candle to this, which is just insanely disgusting. And I didn't necessarily even want to, I just kind of thought at first it was a little overblown, like sometimes these things are, and, and you know how the internet is where people can make a big stink over a small thing sometimes. But then, you know, the details, more details came out, pictures came out. Information came out. Uh, when I read some of the... I don't even really want to talk about what they did, but I know it's kind of important to discuss, but I think you kind of said, like, this is two companies that cover a lot of studios and a lot of workplaces. The first thing I thought of was, how could it be this bad? everywhere and then i was like oh well all it takes is one person at a meeting to say what they're allowed to do at their job to the wrong person and then that wrong person takes it back and then it becomes this well it becomes this photo of 15 white men in a hotel room with a bill cosby picture with an hr there like all those people clearly don't work in the same building so it becomes this really gross weird nixium type thing where it might as well be a cult of treating women horribly and the from like the, the cubicle crawls or whatever the hell they call them which is disgusting to the horrible suicide to to these tone deaf responses from blizzard employees ceos where they just, it's like fill in the blank. Discrimination is not allowed here. We don't stand for any of this. Like, clearly, you, if we can read this and see how bad it has been, you can't be in a management position in one of those places and not have any idea what's going on. And the mm-hmm. fact that some of your managers are involved in some of these things, maybe all of them are involved, it's just like, as. It transcends gamer. It's like if you're a human being and you read this and it's not disgusting to you, then you got to read more until you're disgusted because this is disgusting and it's horrible. Yeah, it. I think it is another clear example of we talk about crunch a lot, and I think this is just another example of using people's passion against them, right? Like you can create an environment that is so 
distasteful on paper that you can say like how in the world could someone stick around in the, in these conditions uh and these working in a place where this was considered okay you know as far as workplace culture goes but they wanted to work at a place that made some of their favorite games and the best games they've ever played and the experiences and think about how many people now like when they talk about you know that that thing that blizzard just had that everyone loved their games for right like yeah Ah, uh, it's just, and then you think about the what was what the human cost was to create that, and is it worth it? I think you know I was referring back to this a little bit earlier. Oh, I had a, we had a conversation in my Overwatch group about like, do we keep playing Overwatch? Like, is this what we want to support? I know we always have those conversations about is it fair to not buy games or to not play games. Uh, from a company when you see something like this because you know me not buying the game doesn't hurt the executive it only hurts the person on the ground who probably really really loves and is passionate about what they're doing and and i agree but at the same time as a consumer like what else are you supposed to do yeah i you know i I agree with you but but they had that's that's normal right that's what we want to think like are we really if we don't buy this game are we really helping them but they had 3,000 developers strike. They had 3,000 developers willing to lose their job to stand – like, so that the what, what we can do is to support them. And that means if they're willing to lose their job, we can't start thinking about – worrying about them losing their job because we're not playing their games. We need to not play these games and wait until things are – fixed and then buy the games again that's how you show support like the ceo like like i just think about all these times where uh something happens like you find a shrimp and your chick cinnamon toast crunch and the ceo (laughs) steps down right they resign right hey or a police officer it's not equivalent but um something bad happens in a city or town in the if a if a police officer did something wrong, they get put on suspension, and then like the chief resigns. Like that is the leadership making a change, and then you have like if Activision or Blizzard CEO isn't stepping down, like this happened on their watch, and that's like that whole at least with the police officer thing. That's like that's their mentality. I I let this happen on my watch. I'm responsible. I'm stepping down. This CEO needs to step down. What do you think the chances are that happens? I don't know. I don't know how common that is in video games. I mean, I have no idea. But I don't I don't have any like faith based on the um the statement. I'm trying to I'm searching for his name because I was just reading the statement. Bobby uh, Kotick? Yeah, and and then Calvin Liu as uh, Liu as well. Um both putting out statements. Um, but there's certainly other people that made more um, statements that were not good uh, on, on behalf of Blizzard and them. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't sound like, like he says it's been a difficult and upsetting week for him. For him. No, like it's so it's tone deaf. I just don't yeah. like it. I think any CEO could have said what he said. It would come across as t- tone deaf, anyways. And it's it's also a little 
like when he says to recognize and thank all those that have come forward in the past in recent days, I think that's just gross. Like it's just it's just this thing that people say now. He's not like recognizing and thanking them. He's like, oh, I can't believe that this is happening to me. I'm I'm yeah. putting that on him. Like I don't know that he's saying that, but it just comes across as like this whole thing. Like uh, uh, it's. If he should be everything, he shouldn't be anything but apologetic to about anything. Yeah, that should be it. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I'm just no, so I, mad about it. <laughs> no, I agree. And I, the statement that we've gotten multiple statements from multiple people, you know, at Activision Blizzard, and most of them have been pretty poor. But it, what it feels like they're doing is like saying, like, okay, here's a statement. That statement didn't work, so now we're going to tweak it and release a new statement. That one still didn't work. Okay, well, here's another statement about like how those other statements weren't as sensitive as they should have been. It really feels like they're just trying to tweak their corporate speak enough uh, until people are like, oh, okay, now we're okay, right? Like they they're inching to the line that they feel like they need to get to, but none of it's actually truly how they feel because they're just trying to get to figure out where that line is where they can make a statement that people are cool with it but they don't want to go too far and like give in too much because they don't want to give away quote unquote give away something that they wouldn't have had to had they kind of inched themselves up to that line Uh, and it's really disappointing to see uh it's i don't know why this is the quote i always go back to but anytime i see failures like this when it comes to leadership i always go back to remember the titans and julius campbell (laughs) When he and oh, what's the other guy's name? Um, the guy who gets hurt. Anyway, they're at, they're at their uh, camp, and he talks about. He's like, "That's the worst attitude." Blah 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 blah. And he's like, "Attitude reflects leadership, Captain." <laughs> and I was, I, I always go back to like thinking about that. Of you know, the culture you create, it, it comes down to leadership you have, and you know, could there be lost in translation of a. CEO or somebody who is super high in a company who is disconnected from the people who are actually working day to day with the employees so that there's a disconnect there um, or that that person doesn't supervise their people effectively enough to know like what the culture is. So I don't want to see the say the CEO is absolved of responsibility in these situations. Right. I just think that the CEO sometimes knows. I'm not saying they don't ever know, uh, but sometimes doesn't know. And that's still a failure on their part, right? Like if they knew right. it was happening and did nothing huge problem but if they did know it was happening also a failure on their part like either way like it's your job like it was your job to know this stuff was going on and if you didn't you weren't doing your job so how do you still have one there's a part like a 130 million dollar bonus last year like what the heck is up with that you know (laughs) there's a part where he does this this he lists his five steps for immediate action and number two is Listening sessions to provide safe spaces for employees to speak out and share areas for improvement. With who? Because if literally your HR department is involved in sexual harassment. Yeah. So they who did are say you for sitting that. down with and talking to? Yeah, they did say <laughs> for that it would be facilitated by an outside third party. And I don't know right. if that was Wilmer Hale, which is the uh, uh, lawyer, the law firm that they hired to like, help suss this out. Uh, the big funny thing about Wilmer Hale, though, is it is a law firm who is notorious for busting unions. Oh, good. Union busters. We love them. Yeah, so that is, you know, <laughs> the the law firm they brought in to yeah. fix their problems is also Great. a law firm who is very, has been used to break uh, unions. But yeah, I mean, I you can't blame these people for not feeling comfortable coming forward. And something that you were talking about 
which really was something that I've been thinking about a lot because we've had some weird things going on where where I work is I always think I was talking to my coworkers on Friday and I said, you know, there was a certain point in my life where I I changed from probably not caring so much about my job to job security. I need a job for my family. Yep. So I will do anything to keep my job as long as like I don't feel like I'm hurting anyone or hurting myself. And there's a lot of people who give unfortunately women a lot of crap about not coming forward about things like this. And I always think back to it's real easy for someone to say that and not think about everything that's going on in that person's life. And maybe they lose their apartment because they quit and then they have nowhere to live. Like sometimes you just have to, like, I'm sure we've all had jobs and I'm not trying to compare the two, like what happened and what we've gone through, but we've all had jobs where we've hated it or we've, or we hated going there. And maybe we quit in the past because we were younger, but in a situation where you don't know if that person's struggling to make ends meet or whatever, it should never, they should never have to have to think to themselves, can I afford to quit this job because I'm going in every day and getting harassed or grabbed or touched or spayed on or whatever the case may be, not in a humane condition. Like, I just, I just always think like, it's not so easy just to quit a job. No. But it's everyone not. paints it with this broad stroke of if you don't like it, just quit. It's that easy. It's and I just I hate that when people say that. Well, and I go back to thinking about where I grew up and <clears throat> there's a, a film you can watch if you would like to know a little bit of the history of the place I grew up and why I don't always, you know, feel so great about it. And that's a little film called North Country, where especially women had to put up with horrendous conditions. And the idea was like, well, just quit, but go where, where then in that, in that town, in that area, there were no other options. Like that was it. Like if you didn't work at the mines, you weren't going to have a job where you could afford to put food on your table. Cause that was really the only industry. So just quit. Okay, fine. But then move where to like what what support (laughs) network and do what, you know, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, You know, and that I think is the hard part of, you know, I understand that the idea of unions and unionization is a touchy subject for a lot of people, but the reason they existed was was to protect employees from dangerous working conditions where you're right, back in the day, employees would be like, I can't, I'm not going to do this. And they'd be like, fine, you're fired. Like, we'll just hire someone else who needs the money to do that. And it just, because no one cared, right? Like, yeah. that's why they initially existed. That's why they tended to be in um, very at the time, which were very dangerous manufacturing positions and things like that, um, is because employees needed some sort of job security of like, if I'm going to go to my job, they're trying to provide a safe working environment for me. Like, that's really what they were started all about, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in this day, the the type of danger that exists in some jobs is still that life and death type of danger, but in other jobs is just, I should be able to go to my work and not be harassed. Like that, that Agreed. seems like it shouldn't be too much to ask for, but apparently is too much to ask for in some situations. Uh, but yeah, this, this lawsuit is, is, Oh man, it, it really makes you wonder about, um, 
let me back that up or back up a little bit. It doesn't make you wonder about the culture of games. It makes it so obvious why the culture of games is what it is. Yeah. Because it's not just about the players. It's about a lot of the people making them too. It makes me think that these people on the internet who hate women who were part of Gamergate are actually working for these companies. Right. Right. <laughs> so, goodness gracious. We have, for every time, it seems like we've made great strides. And we have in some areas. There are, there are definitely improvements. I'm not saying there aren't. But man, yeah. do we still have a long way to go. Because <clears throat> this stuff that you read about, like, it feels like this is from so long ago. And you think we were so far past it. And we're very, very clearly not. Uh, Josh, anything else about that Activision Blizzard lawsuit you want to talk about? Uh, here's what I would say. If you're playing an Activision Blizzard game or you're planning on doing it, I know I'm not going to convince any Call of Duty players not to buy Call of Duty. I'm probably that's, not buying Call of Duty this That's year. fine. Um, but if you don't want to, if you are having trouble deciding if you don't want to play their games, I mean, go to, go to gamesradar.com. Look up the Activision Blizzard lawsuit explained, and then you make an informed decision on your own. And I have no problem skipping on Diablo 2 Remastered or anything for the foreseeable future from Activision or Blizzard because it's that's less important to me. And, and I'm not saying that if you just choose to play the game that you're choosing that over other people, but <laughs> I just I just have no problem doing that um but you're also like i i get the you want to support the developers i get 100 percent get that so if you want to to spend your money on their games i mean you you'll you're still getting you're still paying money to the people who probably don't deserve it right now but it is um it is in some way still supporting the people who made the game so uh yeah i i know that that wasn't on either side but i myself um, we'll be taking a little bit of a break from Blizzard Activision. Yeah, and that's the plan here too. Uh, but this will be the first year, and I don't even know how long that I won't have bought a new Call of Duty then, actually. But uh, and like I said, my Overwatch group are actively looking for other games. I think the hard part is is that uh, many of us are gamers on budget, so just moving to something as ah, no, you know as as easy as <laughs> just like because we've all had this thing for so long, so it's hard to be like be like, what do we all have that we can still play? So. Uh, yeah, but and listener, if you have thoughts, we we would love to hear them. So please let us know. All right, with that, Josh, we are going to kind of move on. We are going to skip my third topic just because of time, because we also have a listener question and other stuff we want to get to. So we are going to do an update on our homework, Josh. Yeah, yeah. So every <laughs> two weeks, Josh and I gave each other homework, and this time it's been a month because of some time off. Um, so what was assigned two weeks ago slash four weeks ago, Josh? You had to count how many board games you have in your collection. And give us your top three games and your bottom three games in your collection. Yeah. Uh, what is your What is your report on your homework, Josh? Okay, I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah. It is mostly done. That's good. I'll explain why. Uh, I didn't want to pick three of my lowest games. I didn't. I just didn't want to do it. And I don't own Central's of the Multiverse, so it seems weird <laughs> to name it. <laughs> okay, that's fine. That's fine. Um, because there's some games that I haven't played that are probably not great, um, but I just didn't want to pick a bottom three. <clears throat> Maybe I just wasn't in a negative mood, or I was in a negative mood. <laughs> I didn't want to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so I'll say my top three games I can confidently say are Gloomhaven, Betrayal at House on the Hill, 
and Century Golem Edition. Oh. Those are easy picks. Okay. I thought it would be harder. As far as the count, I did stop at 500. I did not keep counting. Wow, 500, Josh. Now, because are those all games, or does that include like expansions separately? I did include expansions, but not like only if they're in the box still. I didn't, I didn't okay. count like legendary expansions. Okay. Um, but I also didn't open a whole cabinet, um, which probably I don't even want to. I stopped at 500 because I started having a panic attack. Oh, well, I didn't <laughs> want to have you have a panic attack. So my well, that's why I stopped. <laughs> I was my like, apologies. oh boy, this is too much. Um, that is the last time. You had me do this. I was at three thirty-three, so I don't remember how long ago that was. Yeah, but clearly some things have changed, and that was me getting rid of two boxes of games. Thank three you. boxes of games. They are party games. Um. So yeah, I stopped at five because I was feeling anxious, and I knew there was more <laughs> to come. <laughs> Hey, but, but you got your top three, though, so that's great. Yeah, I probably could have done my top three without counting my game design. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I do have to get rid of a bunch of games, which I still plan on doing, which I I will uh, I will give them to people or uh, sell them to my FLGS or trade them in. Gotcha. Excellent. Well, Josh, you know what? You still get an A for all the work you did do. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Is, that. That is important. So, um, I know I'm not going to get an A because <laughs> <laughs> my I got an uh, extension on my homework, which was to play It Takes Two with Josh, and I, that still hasn't happened. Uh, Josh, I, we got to figure something out, out with our schedule. Like, I don't know what it is, but like, well, we'd play we... games at such different times. Also, we record four podcasts a month for this and we also record another podcast together yeah so we record five podcasts a month which takes us both away from our personal time right so i think it's a little harder um to pull that time um but yeah you know me i'm happy to schedule something but i think my i should stop giving you homework that relies on you being able to play games with me <laughs> well it's just so hard because uh, genuinely when i typically play games it's at 10 starting at like 10 30 at night my time yeah, yeah which i know is just way too late for you during the week so that yeah that makes it very very tough so i'll take my f with this one it is my fault um but <laughs> well, it's yeah. not your fault but yes i mean it is it is my fault but you know life is life is tough like <laughs> it is it, the number like because otherwise, yeah, like this would be like the perfect time for us to perfectly play games is when we yes. record this podcast. So, yep. you know, awesome. Okay, well, you know, we'll we'll move on from there and we'll we'll get some good things moving forward. So, mm. um, all right, so we'll have assignments for two weeks from now. Um, Josh, yeah. as always, you get to pick. Do you want a board game assignment or a video game assignment? Uh, let me look at the schedule of my calendar. What do I have coming up? Nothing. All right, let's do board game. Ooh, okay. Board game assignment. Josh, here's what I'm going to have you do. Oh, wait. One sec. Let me talk one thing here really quick. This is going to be a fantastic radio for our listeners as I double check something here quickly. Where? Well, if you didn't just talk that whole time, you could have just edited it out. <laughs> I could have edited it out, but you know. we're. Not... That's not what we do here. <laughs> That's not what we do here. That's not what we do here. So, all right, Josh. So... Remind me 
you own Twilight Struggle, but you only own it digitally, or do you actually have the board game? Only digitally. I will only. never buy that game physically. <laughs> okay, but and you have played it one time, is that right? I played it with Lucas. Uh, we played two games, but I would say both times we didn't know what we were doing. Okay, so then, Josh, that is your homework, is to come back in two weeks with Learn a, Twilight Struggle? <laughs> with a, to, to learn and have a uh review oh. of twilight struggle oh no <laughs> review <laughs> okay yeah. i'm gonna yeah. be like it's bad <laughs> because i got to imagine that you can play against like the computer yeah i i, I yeah I'll, uh, I'll figure it out <laughs> okay uh, i mean i know it's i know it's a digital thing but you know it's still a board game and so that yeah, is, don't that worry. Is I'm just gonna say, Lucas, help! I've been assigned <laughs> homework to play Twilight Struggle. I need you. <laughs> Excellent. So that is, that there's your assignment, Josh. Play some Twilight Struggle. Come back with a review in two weeks. Uh, what is my homework that I'm really your gonna get done this time? Homework is well. There's something that you and many other people do that drives me absolutely crazy. And okay, now before you tell me this assignment. Keep in mind, if this has anything to do with like opening games that are in plastic on my shelves, this is not just my decision. It's also my partner's decision, and I don't know if I can overrule that. So just letting you know if that is what it was okay, going to be, well, I'm <laughs> that might not be a possibility. For a potential F in your homework, <laughs> all you need to do uh-huh. is pick a wrapped board game on your shelf. One, open it and play it within two weeks. See how I'm not telling you to play Gloomhaven because I want to keep to I want to assign you Gloomhaven every week. <laughs> okay, no, that's good. That's good. Wrap board game, open it, play it within the next two weeks on it. Okay, we'll see how this goes. Josh is going to play Twilight Struggle. I'm going to play a wrap board game, and it's gonna yeah. You gave me Twilight Struggle. All you have to do is open the board game and play it. <laughs> that's all you're kind of doing, and you get to do it digitally, so that works that's even better. True. That's true. All right, Josh, we do have a listener question this week. Uh, why don't you take it away? We do. Uh, Schplag, uh on Twitter, at Dopalicious, uh, writes in, tweets in, what's your favorite new-ish game you've played lately? Doesn't have to be the best, just what you what you enjoy the most. Thinking last two years, I feel like unless you're a hobbyist, you're not cutting edge. I mean, Wingspan just hit Target recently kind of timeline. Yeah, and before it was in Target... You could buy it at Bed Bath & Beyond, which is oh, really? crazy to me. Dang. <laughs> yeah, they had it in stock at Bed Bath & Beyond uh, two years ago. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I'm going to start first because I already kind of said uh, it's horrified. Uh, I think it's one of the best board games I've played in the last two years, for sure. Um, Jaws is up there, too. And I talked about my love for Jaws. Um, also a Ravensburger game. <laughs> So, yeah, um, I think those are two under-the-radar affordable games. Um, and we're in August, so, like, Jaws is still thematically plausible if you want to sneak out to your target and grab Jaws. But uh, um, those would be two games I would I would recommend. Those are two really good ones. This is tough for me because I'm trying to think of, like, are we supposed to go with things that are a little more easily available? Is that kind of what the, the thought process is here? No, I think um, he just wants to know what we've enjoyed. What we've enjoyed. Oh, man. Well, I mean, if we're going last, yeah, if we're going last two years, I think Quacks of Quedlinburg. 
Yeah, that's a great one. Um, is a really easy one to kind of recommend and, and might even potentially be available like in your um larger store, like in your targets and your Walmarts and things like that. I don't know that for certain, but I think that's definitely would be a possibility. Uh so that'd be one direction I'd go. Another one that I could throw out there trying not to talk about games we talk about all the time um so you know what i'll change it up a little bit uh and i'll go with root i think i know root has a a lot of um it definitely is like that main like really really hobby game game but uh, man that game is so cool it just really does a lot of fun things and i think Though it is a bit complicated, if you can get there, uh, I think it might win some people over um, just with how unique and different and fun um, things like that are, or that game is with everyone being different and have different powers. Like It's just not something you see in games in general that asymmetrical, but yet that balanced. Uh, and I think it's really, really cool as a result of that. So those would be a couple that I would pick. I'll throw Tiny Towns in there as well, because we oh, played that we played dang, that on vacation. A, and that, That's great and too. That was even something my my parents were able to grasp, and it's relatively easy um, to learn once you get going. So Tiny Towns is a good one as well. But Monopoly Deal is not one of them? Is that what you're saying, Josh? I got to get it to the table, man. (laughs) (laughs) That could have been my homework over Twilight Struggle. (laughs) That could have been. Oh, man. Why didn't I do that? That could have been. But I can't change now. Like I I can't go back on it. That would be. I've already left class with my homework. (laughs) All right. Well, obviously, we love having your questions, so please hit us up on social media. We want to have those conversations about the things you think are interesting. Uh, But with that, we're going to kind of move towards wrapping the show up and leave you our recommendations for a well-rounded life. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you something else we're we're into that's helping us live that balanced life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? Well, if you know me, this is not going to come to a surprise to you, but actually, it has come to a surprise to me. Uh, on Friday, last Friday, July 30th, um, the new Billie Eilish album, Happier Than Ever, dropped. Uh, I was a little nervous because I was just kind of lukewarm on uh, the two newer singles that came out um, from her. I liked them, but I didn't love them like I loved her first album. But um, getting into this album and starting from... One, there's definitely some songs on there I liked that she put out a year ago, um, but uh, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Uh, she really like changes it again, changes the whole mold on what a what a pop singer is. Like every song is different. There's the single "Happier Than Ever." Like it starts off like. Um, the music video is really good. It starts off like ukulele and her singing softly and literally picks up with like heavy metal riffs in the middle of the song and, and distortion. And it's just like a really, that song's a departure. There's a song called, um, oxytocin that I really like on the album. Um, I think that she's just her and Phineas are musical geniuses. And I really like this new album. So check it out. Happier Than Ever by Billie Eilish. Excellent. Well, speaking of musical geniuses, uh, <laughs> my recommendation this week is a docu-series that is available on Hulu called McCartney 321. Uh, it is a six-episode docu-series, uh, which is involves Paul McCartney sitting down with Rick Rubin, uh, music producer extraordinaire, uh, and just having a conversation about you know the McCartney's career and, the, and his time with the Beatles. And it really mostly focuses on the Beatles. Josh, have you watched this? 
I haven't, but it's on my list too. Okay. Much. Yeah, it mostly focuses on the Beatles, but also talks a little bit about um, his time with like Wings and some things he did independently and, and by himself as well. But just a really fascinating look at how the Beatles made their music, because obviously, you know, they're whether you like them or don't like them, the impact that they had. Uh, I mean, it just is significant, right? Like they have influenced the way music is today in many ways, but just hearing McCartney talk about like what their influences were and what they were influenced by and like, Hey, we heard this thing and it kind of sounded like this. So then we did this to kind of mimic that just all of the things that they went through to kind of create what is the Beatles um, and having him talk about like, what is it like now going back in time and looking back at like being a member of the Beatles being this far removed from it? Like what's that experience like? Really, really interesting. And the one thing I will say, uh, without spoiling anything, I mean, it's a docuseries, so I want to put a spoiler, but the main thing that comes through is just how, to this day, at almost 80 years old, how passionate about music Paul McCartney is. Because, I mean, they are listening to music he made forever ago, and he yeah. just remembers all of this stuff about it and he gets so excited and into it and he's like dancing around like the man clearly clearly loves music um and it's just really cool to see someone obviously he made a lot of money he got real real famous but really i just love watching people who are really good and really passionate about something talk about that thing and that's what mm-hmm. these two people are um so it's really really highly recommend it mccartney 321 that is on hulu josh what do you say we wrap this show up Let's do it. <clears throat> Pardon me. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, feel free to email us at boardwithfiji at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag Board with Fiji, so please use that hashtag as well at all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the Dice Tower Network feed or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, Steam at Why So Serious, S-I-R-R-I-U-S. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me on all the usual places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Cyclocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.